You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org. This morning, if you are family here visiting a student here for Family Weekend, welcome to LifePoint Church. My name is Drew Meyer. I'm the lead pastor here at LifePoint, and we are just honored that you'd be here. Uh, We really are set on creating an intergenerational church where students can experience healthy church. It's a rare thing in this generation, and so we're set on it, creating a community that can be a healthy expression to our community. We pray that your student experiences that here in Ames. I've got an exciting announcement to make this morning. Um, Last Sunday was the first official Sunday, but we actually went live online, live streaming our Sunday morning services because we have found that most people who walk through the doors of our church have already gone online and watched us in some form or fashion through podcasts or video messages or whatnot. So we already realized like the lobby of our church was extending to the online spaces. And so instead of being passive or ignoring those realities, we were set on going live with our Sunday morning uh, worship so we can extend who we are into those places where people already are. And so that's our heart behind uh, live streaming Sunday morning services. It also gives our church an easier way to invite people into what church can look like and to what LifePoint Church is like, because I know that can be intimidating. A lot of people have misconceptions, misunderstandings about what church is like, and so you can now just share it or send a link in an email or a Facebook message or a message in a text to a friend and say, hey, just check out this. I've been experiencing this at church. Will you give, give, us, give us a chance? And it can be an easier way to invite people into what God is doing in your life in our church. So we are not trying to create a, an alternative to the gathering together of us in person, live. That can't be a, that can, there can never be a substitute for that. Um, but at the same time, we want to realize that people are already in those spaces. So let's extend the church to those places. Amen? Amen? Awesome. Cool. So this morning, it's an honor for me to introduce our guest Dick Schroeder is a legend in Chi Alpha Campus Ministry Circles, and as we were preparing for the fall, I was just really set on our hearts to invite Dick back because of uh, trips that he already had, had in motion in Iowa, and so uh, we, we don't invite guests into, this, into our Sunday morning experiences lightly. We do it prayerfully, thoughtfully, wanting to be led by the Holy Spirit, and this morning I'm confident that we've, we've heard from God that Dick is going to be a blessing to our church in this moment in history this season. Dick Schroeder comes with uh, 30 years as a lead director uh, experience at uh, Montana State University in Bozeman, Montana. Beautiful Bozeman, Montana, right there on the edge of the Rockies. And uh, after that, he transitioned into a national leadership role with Chi Alpha Campus Ministry. And so the, 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 the campus, college students, has never left his heart. And you'll, you'll, you'll sense that uh, from him this morning. And so we, we just were excited to invite him back. He was with us three years ago, right after I became lead pastor. He was one of the first invites I made um, because of the respect that I have for this man of God. So in LifePoint fashion, will you, will you help me in welcoming uh, Dick Schroeder to LifePoint Church? The person of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is not an it. The Spirit is not the force. But the Holy Spirit is the most wonderful person in the whole universe. And this morning we're going to explore some aspects of why friendship with the Holy Spirit is so important. Now the scripture reveals God as this mysterious unity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy, the, the, God, the Godhead, the Trinity, has always dwelt together in a love relationship. There's never been a divorce in the Trinity. Jesus didn't come because the committee voted two to one to send him. They, everything, see, they do is in absolute unity. They prefer one another. And you guys, that sets the model for how we get to live our lives. We get to live our lives with the the core of relationship and and the benefit of learning to love one another. Now, I like to picture the Trinity in this way. I like to picture the Trinity as three doors. And we have the privilege of connecting in a unique way with each member of the Trinity. And it begins with meeting Jesus, doesn't it? At some point in our lives, 
Jesus became more than a word to us, but he became a person. That can happen in myriads of ways. In fact, one of the things I really thrive in is I love hearing people's testimonies because everyone comes to know Jesus in a personal way, in a unique way, don't they? And see, I learned something about the greatness of God as I hear how Jesus made himself real to you. It's amazing. And when, when we understand that Jesus as Messiah, he helps us to die to our selfishness, and he helps us to live in resurrection life. And as we sang this morning, he breaks every chain of bondage. The second door is the Father. And this is what this seminar this weekend is about. It's learning to connect with God as our Father. Because the Father is the source of our identity and our security. See, see if, if I don't know who I am, then I'm going to be deeply influenced by the spirit of the world, which seeks to conform you into its image, right? And so what, when I, and as I understand and know the Father's love, see, I, I, I begin emerging into the person that the Father has designed me to be for, from, from time, from the beginning of time, you know. Father has a unique destiny for each one of us, doesn't he? He has a purpose. That means you will reflect the glory of God in a unique way that no one else can. See, all of us, it's like a gigantic jigsaw puzzle. All of God's people are. And on the day of the resurrection, God's going to reassemble all the pieces, right? Righteous people from all ages, all the way from Adam to the very end of the age. And together, we're going to form this composite mosaic that is that's going to be composed of billions of people. And the glory of God is so complex that it takes billions of people to demonstrate how rich and glorious and beautiful he really is. Knowing the Father. I taught a Father Heart of God seminar in Glassboro, New Jersey, just last weekend. And there's a university called Rowan University there. And we have a, a thriving Chi Alpha ministry that is growing there. And a young man named Jeff, we had testimony time on Sunday morning as people reported what God did in their lives. This is what Jeff said. Jeff said, I was abused by my biological father until I was 13 years old. My mom remarried and my stepfather abused me all the way till I left home. He said, when I saw the subject of this retreat, I didn't want to come. Because he said, I felt like I had knives in my heart. But by God's grace, he came and he forgave both of his fathers that failed him deeply. And as he got up and testified, he said, I feel like a, a sack of cement has been lifted off my shoulders. And he said, I think I can start trusting people. See, that's what the Father wants to do. He wants to heal the damage of the past, and he wants to make us into the person that he wants us to be. All of us, see, can experience adoption. And I love it. God says, I will be the dad you never had. I mean, I had a wonderful father. I, my dad, I am largely who I am today because of my dad's influence. But God the Father, see, is even better than my earthly father. My, my earthly father, he's probably watching from... But see, my heavenly father, your heavenly father, will always be there, and he is your source of identity. And so we have, see, we have to have an experience of the father's love, just like we experience meeting Jesus in a meaningful way. And, and we go on meeting him again and again and again, don't we? Same is true with the father. We, we, we want to be able to look back and say, there were moments when the father broke through in my heart. And that's why I want to invite you, if, you if, 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 if this is interesting you at all, we're going to meet Friday night, and then we'll meet some on Saturday. And uh, I guarantee you're going to have an encounter with the Father's love. And then the third person of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the power to love. The Holy Spirit is our counselor and our friend. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And this, this is what Jesus received at his inauguration, when Jesus made his, his when, when, when the Father 
you know, inaugurated him to do his ministry, this is what happened. He received the Holy Spirit. Let's look at it. This is found in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. So it says that Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Now remember, John was the forerunner. John's job assignment was to get Israel ready for the coming of the Messiah. So he would be out in the cornfields preaching, and people would come out to him. He was a man of great power and persuasion. And his message was, get ready, the Messiah. Repent. Clean your lives up. And he would baptize people in the Jordan River as a preparation for the coming of the Messiah. And see, see, Jesus, who came for the purpose, he knew that his purpose was to ultimately die for the cumulative sin of the human race. He knew that he was the Savior. And yet, for 30 years, Jesus was an unknown entity, wasn't he? People in his hometown knew him as Joseph's son. He was a carpenter. He did excellent work. But nobody had a clue that he was actually sent from God, that he was the Messiah. And see, because Jesus, he, everything he did, he did prompted by the Father, didn't he? See, Jesus didn't do his own thing. And so he patiently lived day after day. And especially imagine, you know, as he enters his adult years, and, and he knows the call of Messiah is upon his life. But every day he faithfully makes tables. He works in the carpentry shop. And then one day, probably at around age 30, the father says to him, son, it's time. So Jesus cleans up the carpentry shop. I'm just imagining how this happened. He cleans up the carpentry shop. He looks over that shop that he had spent, you know, many, many years, you know, 15, 16 years learning woodworking. And knowing that I'm never going to be back here at this shop again. So he closes the door with finality. And he goes down to the Jordan River where John is preaching and he's baptizing people. And see, the, the Lord told John the Baptist that the Messiah is the one on whom the Holy Spirit remains. And the Bible says that when John saw Jesus coming, he knew. And Jesus approached him. And, and, and this is what it says. Verse 14. But John, see, Jesus came to be baptized. And, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? And Jesus replied, now see, why did John say that? See, John was painfully aware of his own imperfection, wasn't he? Although John was a mighty preacher, he was, a, he was the mighty forerunner that Isaiah prophesied about, yet he was painfully aware of his own imperfection. And now, Messiah is standing before him, and he says, whoa, you, you, you better baptize me. And Jesus, I love what Jesus says. He says, let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. You know what I appreciate about Jesus? Jesus so identifies with us that he goes through water baptism, not because he needed to be cleansed from any sin, because he was perfectly without sin, wasn't he? And so he, he didn't have anything he needed to be washed from, but he so identifies with us, and he leads the way by his example that he is baptized in water. And when, and when he is baptized in water, something amazing happens. And it says this in the next verse. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and the, and the Spirit of God was descending like and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. You know, I believe that if the NFL has an instant replay machine, I think God has one of those. And I already got my top 100 DVDs that I want to see when I get to heaven. And this is, I want to see this event. This, this, this is a unique event in all of human history. And let's unpack this. First of all, it says that the heavens were opened. Now, now what does that mean? 
The heavens were open. Does that mean the people that were there witnessing this looked up? And, oh, there's God on the throne. Look at there's the angels. We, we really don't know. But at this moment, the veil that separates the seen world from the unseen world was, was, was removed, and there was a witness of what happened in heaven. Wow. And it's, see, the way I picture this is that Father God is so excited about this event. See, because Father has been planning this redemption for centuries, hasn't he? In fact, he, he really starts with Abraham. He, choose, he chooses Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And in you, all of the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And because of Abraham's obedience, that qualified him to carry the promise. And, and now, 1,500 years later, that promise is being fulfilled. And, and Jesus, God's son, is, is ready to reveal into the, into the earth. And so it's like the father, he, he's so excited that he just opens up the curtain that parts heaven and earth. And we see into heaven. Now, the second thing that happens is that... The father reaches down. See, there was something visible that happened that day, wasn't there? Everybody there witnessed something. And something, it's like a dove. It wasn't a bird, but it, that's how they described it. It was kind of like a dove. And something came from heaven and rested upon Jesus. And, and I believe what, what this was, was the touch of the Spirit and it was the Father's affirmation of the Son. See, before he starts his ministry, Jesus starts, in, 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 in his humanity, he starts with the revelation that the Father himself loves me. I don't have to perform for love. I don't have to be someone I'm not. I know who I am because Father loves me. Now, we know that right after this event, Jesus is led by the Spirit to fast for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. And then after that comes the evil one, and the evil one tempts him, doesn't he? And, and each of the temptations start with this word, if. If you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. See, implied in that word, if, is a taunt, isn't it? Say, who, who are you? Show yourself. You say you're the son of God. Okay, prove it to me. And I, and I love it. See, Jesus is so secure in the Father's love that he, he's able to bypass the temptation and say the right thing. Isn't that beautiful? See, and, and you guys, this is where we're vulnerable is because in my sec- insecurity, I am vulnerable to satanic taunts, to the taunts of other people. That, that say, well, you're a Christian Schroeder, prove it. You know, prove it. See, and, and my flesh wants to jump into that arena and prove it. Oh, I'll show you. And then I fall flat on my face. See, that's why having the affirmation of the Father's love is so important. See, he wants you to know who you are so that without apology, you can love people, you can speak the truth to people, you can be a witness for Jesus, and you, you can confront people, but it's done out of a heart of security. And, and, and you guys, when we, as we learn to grow and operate this way, what happens is that Jesus is seen in his people, see? The corporate witness of, of all of us living a life of agape love, one for another, there's a testimony that, whoa, God is in this. I love what Jesus said in John 17, 26. He's speaking, this is that beautiful prayer in John chapter 17, as he's praying for the disciples, he's giving them instructions, and he's praying for us in this prayer, and here's what he says. He said, I have made you known to them, you being the Father, and will continue to make you known to them in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. See, Jesus is telling the 12, I, I want you to know the same love that the Father has for me. And that's what, you know, that's what the Lord wants for you. He wants you to know the fullness 
of the Father's love for you as a unique individual, just like Jesus knew that. And Jesus was saturated with his Father's love, wasn't he? I love reading the Gospels because Jesus is so together. You know, that lawyers come to trap him. You know, lawyers have always done that, tried to trap people and sue people. The lawyers come and they test him with hard questions. And the Father drops a word of wisdom into Jesus' heart. And he speaks a word of wisdom and they, they go away scratching their heads saying, I, I think we just lost that round, you know. And it's because, see, Jesus was secure in who he was. Have you experienced the embrace of the Spirit? That doesn't happen all the time, but there are peak moments in our lives that the Father comes and he does something in our lives. I can remember, I, 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 was, I came to the Lord through the ministry of Kaiapha on my campus at Montana State University. And it happened in 1973. And there was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our town, the what we now know as the Jesus movement, that was the move of God in my generation, that happened, and there were hundreds of students on our campus that were spontaneously saved. There was no organized effort. It was the Spirit of God touching my generation. And I remember going to gatherings, and, and I remember that God was so real. I had gone to church in my younger years, and it was, you know, it was, it was an okay experience, but I would... I, w- I was never aware that God was in this place. Well, after being born again, so my spirit's not dead anymore. And now I, I, I connected with the, the presence of God. And those are, that's, those are some precious months in my life because God made himself so real. See, I was encountering the presence of God. You ever seen the bumper sticker, Hugs, Not Drugs? You know, man, that's what I experience. <laughs> and you guys, there's a, there's a world out there that needs the Father's love, right? They need affirmation, not flattery. They need affirmation where we say, you're made in the image of God, and you're a person of value, and the Father himself loves you. See, the, our deepest need is to be loved. That's, and, and that's what we do well in the body of Christ, don't we? We do well when we love and affirm one another, and we remind each other again and again and again, you are loved. I taught this message in the nation of Albania, and a young man named Timmy said this. He said, I thought I knew about the Father's love and had received enough of his love. But this week, he came to me and wrapped his love around me so much that I felt I had been so far away from his love before. I knew many things before in my head. See, guys, this is our challenge, is we know truth intellectually, don't we? We all know a lot. We have a lot of knowledge. But, it, but it's one thing to know it in your head. It's another thing to know it in your heart. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. See, the Holy Spirit makes these truths not just intellectual knowledge, but he transcends it and makes it heart knowledge. And that's what he said. He said, you know, I, I knew these things before in my head, but what I experienced is something completely different. I've never wept so much in all my life. That is how great it was to know how much my Heavenly Father loves me. I will never forget the tears of joy when I felt the love, embrace, and warmth of my Father. Now when I call Abba, which is Daddy... My heart will be full of gratitude, thanksgiving, and love. My heavenly Father, I thank you so much. See, guys, this is what happened to Jesus in that moment. As the Spirit came upon him, he was aware of the Father's love, and that's what set him up to do the works of the Father. And then the third, the third thing that happened is there was a, a verbal affirmation from heaven. Now, God doesn't get on the heavenly PA system very often, does he? I mean, this is pretty rare in the scripture, but he did in this moment. And you think about all the things that God could have said, you know, now hear this. Instead, he speaks to his beloved son and he said, you are my beloved son and I am pleased with you. Whoa, there's nothing more profound than that. And see, Jesus in his humanity needed that, didn't he? And, and, and it, that voice came from the universe for everybody to hear. And we're still reading it about it today. Because the Father's affirmation, I believe, is what sets us up to do the Father's works. 
I read a, a, a book one time, Drew, it's called Children Are Wet Cement. And I, the, re, the title really grabbed me because you know how it works. When you pour cement and you, you, know, you put some prints. In fact, my footprints when I was like t- two years old are still in the house that my mom lives in. So I was, I was 1952, and my footprints are still there. You know, my, just little, beautiful little footprints. And, and see, what, what imprint is made while the cement is wet remains for a long time. And see, the impressions that we receive as children, whether we're loved, whether we're not loved, whether we're capable, whether we're not capable, that deeply affects who we are, doesn't it? And, and when a child is not spoken to and affirmed, then the devil is there to fill in the blanks. See, silence always breeds suspicion. Yeah, silence is not good, not good. That's why the Bible tells us we're, we're to continually affirm one another because we need that constant feedback because the enemy, he's there saying, no, that's not true. You know, you screwed up here. You're not worthy of that. It, does, do you have this kind of warfare in your head? Yeah, see, we live in it. We live in this warfare. And see, part of the ministry of the body of Christ is we're able to speak life to one another, and it neutralizes some of, some of that garbage that goes on in our minds. So the Holy Spirit, he constantly reminds us that we are loved. This is why I believe prophecy is so valuable in the body of Christ. This is why Paul puts a premium on prophecy, because prophecy is simply speaking God's current thoughts to someone at this moment in time. I love Psalms 139 says that the number of thoughts that God has towards you are greater than the number of grains of sand on all the seashores. That's a pretty big number, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's Googleplex, huge number. And so God, God has all of these thoughts towards each one of us all the time. And you guys, every one of those thoughts is positive. He's never discouraged that you're not measuring up. He's full of faith and hope that you're going to become the person that he designed you to be. And he's doing everything he can at every moment to bring you into that reality. And I believe prophecy is as we are just in touch with the mind of Christ, by faith I speak something that the Holy Spirit drops in my heart. That's a word of prophecy, and it brings encouragement to one another. Have you received words like that? Aren't they timely? I mean, they're just so necessary as we're on this journey together. And see, the, you guys, the more secure you are in the Father's love, then the more secure you will be in delivering life-giving prophetic words to one another and to the world, the watching world out there. Hallelujah. So I believe that we are to experience these three qualities for ourselves. And I believe the person of the Holy Spirit enables us to do that. Let's look at these. The first one is open heaven. That means access. Just like on that day... Suddenly, they saw things they'd never seen before because now heaven is opened. See, in the same way, the Lord wants to give you an open heaven where you're going to be more aware of the Father's heart. You're going to be more aware of the mind of Christ. And and you're going to be more aware of what Jesus wants to do through you. Do you want an open heaven? Well, I do. I thought, oh, Lord, I, I, I want this. John 16, 7 says, but I tell you the truth... It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. See, have have you ever envied the 12 disciples? Now, be honest. It's like, oh, man, they got to be with Jesus for three years. They camped, they walked, and they got to touch him. They watched him in action. And you, you think, oh, you know, the disciples, they really have an advantage. You ever thought that? Well, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go Because when I've gone, see, I could only take care of 12 of you at one time. But when the Spirit comes, the Helper, he can take care of an unlimited number of sons and daughters. And see, you guys, the same mentoring and training that the disciples received by Jesus' physical presence, we receive now by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, oh man, what? That, I mean, think of what that opens up. I mean, that opens up that I, I can learn the lessons Jesus wants me to learn. I, I can become the person Father has destined me to be. 
And he gives me access to an open heaven. See, guys, we're designed, brain science tells us that we're designed to carry on an internal dialogue with the Holy Spirit. So we're designed. This is wired into our DNA. And it's natural for us to be in contact with, with Christ in you, the hope of glory, and to learn to cultivate that 24-7 communion. See, you're designed for that. Now, if you don't deliberately embrace a relationship with, with the living God, by default, you will do that with the spirit of this world. See, everybody communes with something. That's it. I mean, everybody does this. You know, you've heard of self-talk. That's what I'm talking about. It's this internal dialogue that goes on in our heads. And see, when, when we're born again, we start walking with Jesus. See, Jesus starts reforming our self-talk, right? I start thinking truth. I start, oh, I'm aware of the presence of God. And I start learning to recognize, wow, God is speaking to me. See, it's an incredible adventure. We get to walk with God all the days of our lives. But that internal dialogue, and see, if, if I do not have that dialogue with Jesus, then I'm going to have it with the spirit of the world. And that's why it's so hard for those outside the faith to understand the faith, right? And, and we all have conversations, which we need to be doing, because the power of God is released when we talk to people. That's where the power of God is released. And even if they disagree with you and they may yell at you, but boy, the Holy Spirit has just planted a seed in their heart. He's rattled their cage. And they're going to go home and think about what you said, even though they appear to be totally disinterested. See, God uses it because he wants to make a beachhead in each person's heart. And see, by having an open heaven, you're going to be sensitive to what the Spirit of God wants to say to each person. So I have been a part of uh, the same church in Bozeman now for 46 years. I came to the Lord because uh, our, our, my home church, Christian Center Church in Bozeman, they were really the uh, sponsor of the campus ministry, and that's how I got grafted into the church after I met Jesus. So I started out, you know, as just as, as one of the long-haired young people, and now 46 later, I'm one of the old farts at the church. So, you know, life goes on. So my, my wife and I, and my wife Joy is disabled from a car accident, so she's paralyzed from the chest down. And, and so she, you know, lives life from a wheelchair. And we, we have a, a particular place in our church where there's a couple of chairs taken out because she doesn't like to block the aisle. So we have a special place prepared. So we had just gone to our place this hot August morning. And I noticed a couple coming down the aisle. And so I went and I introduced myself to them. See, part of, part of being a follower of Jesus is we learn to be friendly, Right? We don't wait for people to greet us, but we greet them. And I just want to say I appreciate this morning. Five or six of you came up and introduced yourself to me. And so my first impression of, of, of this trip is that LifePoint is a friendly church. See, that's, that's what it looks like. But you didn't wait for me to introduce me to you. You came up and said, why? What's your name? See, that makes, that, that communicates love. So I did this with this couple. So I welcomed them because I, I had never met them before and found out that they were Assembly of God pastors on vacation. They were from Oregon, and they were visiting Bozeman. So we chatted a bit, and then the service started, and they ended up sitting right in the row in front of us. So we had a missionary that morning. The missionary gave a, an, just a powerful message. And then as the service was ending, our, our pastor came to conclude the service. And, and as we stood to our feet, I heard the Holy Spirit say something. See, Holy Spirit whispers things, doesn't he? And I have to be listening. And it was just, it was so quiet. But I heard the Lord say, as I stood up, I want you to pray for that couple. And I thought, I can do that. Now, I had put a roast in the crock pot along with carrots and potatoes. I love, you know, roast beast. I love that. And so I am not very spiritual. I'm actually anticipating going home and eating roast beast, carrots, and potatoes. And so I, I turned to the couple. I said, can we pray for you? And, of course, what did they say? Sure. Prayer always communicates love, you guys. See? And, and every time you pray, and, and even for non-believers, you pray in the name of Jesus who shows up. See, you can't invoke the name of Jesus without there being an impact on people's lives. 
See, because Jesus loves people. So I, I, I said, can we bless you? And they, they said, sure. And so my pastor's wife, she was nearby because I knew these folks were pastors. And it was the, the husband and wife and their 17-year-old daughter. And so my wife was there. And I called Judy, my pastor's wife, and I introduced her. And I said, we're going to bless this couple. So we joined hands, and I prayed my polite but sincere 30-second prayer. And as I'm nearing the end of my prayer, boom, I get this download of thoughts from the Holy Spirit. And, and through repeated obediences, I've, I've learned to recognize God wants to say something. And I could have said, uh-uh, I don't want to do that. I want to go and eat my roast beast. I, I could have done that, and you know what I would have done? I would have robbed this couple of a blessing. See, because Father wanted to do something, and he wanted to use us as his instruments for that moment. So I stopped my prayer, and I said, I, I hear the Holy Spirit saying something, so I'm just going to speak out what I'm hearing. So I start prophesying, and I went on for about three minutes, and it was things like, God says, I know that you're in the middle of a battle. It's too soon to give up. I'm going to strengthen you. Uh, don't, you know, just hang in there. I'm with you. Well, then I finished. Well, then my wife begins prophesying over the pastor's wife. And she has specific words for her specific words. And by the time we're finished, you know, <laughs> the mascara is running. And, 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 and it's been a God encounter for them. And, well, the sanctuary is empty because everybody was home eating their roast beast. <laughs> And, and they, they thanked us and left the sanctuary. And, and it looked like they'd been shell-shocked. I mean, obviously so, they had encountered God. We kind of looked at each other like, wow, because it was unplanned. I was thinking about roast beef. But see, the whole, we were simply sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So three weeks later, this pastor writes a letter to my pastor. And here's what he says. He says, dear pastor, you probably don't remember us, but we, we will never forget our morning at Christian Center. See, see be, because as God's people, we're learning to be sensitive to the Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And this pastor said, what no one in that room knew is that we have been in a terrible battle in our church. In fact, in our recreational vehicle the night before, we had determined we're quitting. We're going to resign. So he said, we came to the service, although they were full of smiles, yet on the inside they were dying. And they said, we were hurting. And he said, as soon as we came in the door, we sensed the presence of God. And he said, and people were so friendly. They just welcomed us. And he said, then your, your campus pastor, you know, had a conversation with them, just made us feel at home. And then he said, the missionary message spoke to our hearts. The worship ministered to us. And he said, and then as the service ended, your, your, your past, campus pastor, his wife, and your wife prophesied over us. And, and he said, I want you to know that that has changed our lives. We're not going to quit. God has given us the grace, and we're going to believe that he's going to see us through to the victory. And he said, thank you for the obedience of your church. Now remember, I'm thinking about roast beef, so I'm not very spiritual. But see, I, 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 was, I caught enough of the, the wave of the Spirit to stop and to do what Jesus wants to do. Yeah, and that's what an open heaven is. And all of us can learn to operate within, within the confines of your own personality. You don't have to be somebody else. But see, with who God has made you to be, God is going to use you because he wants to display his glory to everyone else. And then second one is the embrace of the Father. The Spirit came upon Jesus, and Jesus was aware of the Father's love. In John 16 and verse 12, the Scripture says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. How many of you know that really makes disciples happy? You know, it's like, lay it on me, Lord. But do you, do you understand that the, our walk is progressive? you understand there's things you can't receive right now? Why? You're not mature enough. See, you, we have to grow in spiritual stature before Father can place the next level of anointing, the next plan that he has for our lives. You guys, that's why it's so important that we be, always be growing, that we not stagnate. But we always are moving forward because what? Father has more to do. He has greater things. He wants to use you in more powerful and powerful ways. 
And there's things, see, I can't hear right now. Next year, maybe, I'll have the maturity, and then God can speak those to me. Look at verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. So the Holy Spirit, he's the spirit of truth. See, the world system is based on lies. The whole system, that we, the social system we live under is lies, isn't it? It is a lie that you can choose your own gender, isn't it? It's a destructive lie that is ruining millions of young people's lives. It's a lie, isn't it? Not true. Now, I love those people, and I want to see them saved, but it's a lie. We ought not to give it any place for lies. See, the whole world system is built on that, and that's why the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, he first aligns us with truth, my heart. David says God wants truth in the inward parts, which means he wants my thoughts always to align with truth. And see, the Holy Spirit's continually talking to us and bringing us into truth. And so, one of the wonderful things of the Holy Spirit is he discloses to us the things that are to come. So I mentioned that my wife, Joy, was in an automobile accident. And it was in 1987. The week before the accident, and I had no idea it was coming, but I was at some pastor's meetings, and in a, in a discussion we were having, someone mentioned the fact that where wives are critically injured... 80% of the marriages end in divorce. I was shocked by that statistic. And I, I kind of left the conversation and just my own thoughts, I, I, that was so incongruent to me. It's like, what? That, that is totally wrong because when we make a covenant, it's for better or for worse. It's, it's sickness and health. It's not as long as you're beautiful, as long as you love me. No, I'm going to love you kind of no matter what comes. That's the marriage covenant. That's the way God loves us, isn't it? That's what agape love is. And so as I'm pondering these things in my heart, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Dick, what would you do if that happened to your wife? Now, I did not take that as a prophecy, like, oh, no, it's going to happen. No, it's just a question that I experience often in, in this internal dialogue with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. And so I, I thought about it, and I thought, well, Lord, th there's things that might change, but the one thing that would not change is my commitment and love for my wife. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, good, end of conversation. So I returned home. Uh, I'd been away for four days. Our children were young at the time, so it was a Saturday. And so I told my wife, I said, why don't you take the car, and why don't you go and do what you need to do? And I'd been away from the kids, so I, I got to spend the day with the children. Four o'clock in the afternoon, I get a call from a lady in our church. And in a very frantic voice, she says, Dick, Joy's been in an automobile accident, and I think it's really serious. Immediately, the Holy Spirit brought that conversation back. And I just intuitively knew that we were facing a major crisis. And sitting, and this was in the back in the days of landlines, we didn't have cell phones yet. But standing in my kitchen, I was aware of the Lord. He just came with his big hand and he said, now Dick, just walk. Just get on that hand and I'm going to take you through this difficulty. And see, the Lord prepared me. He gave grace. And yes, it, it, there was many tears and grief, and it's been a hard situation. But you know, underneath it all, as I was aware that, God, you're good, and you're going to take us through this. And now she's been in a wheelchair for 31 years, and she is a vibrant woman. Her body's disabled, but her spirit is not. She is such an amazing person because. She's found the grace of God, and Jesus has helped her. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? See, Father, Father wants to disclose to you whatever you need to know to be a witness for him. See, whatever I need, Father will show me. He'll give me supernatural information. He'll warn me. And I, I just want to cultivate that intimacy with the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what he says again in, in John Chapter 16, verses 14 and 15. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and disclose it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. And look at this, 1 Corinthians 2.12. I love this passage. Paul says, now we have received 
not the spirit of the world. See, there it is again. The spirit of the world. We haven't received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we may know the things freely given to us by God. See, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you the infinite treasures and riches that are found in Christ Jesus. And there's so much more of that to come as we walk in obedience to him. Does that whet your appetite? It's like, oh, man, let's get on with the journey because God has so much, and it all comes by the wonderful anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then the last one, affirming words. Just as Jesus heard the Father say, you're my beloved son, and you I'm well pleased. It says in John 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. See, there it is again, not the spirit of error, spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So the person of the Spirit is the best personal trainer you can ever have. And he's called to live in you. He's called to communicate with you. He's called to mold and shape who you are. And this is why the fullness of the Holy Spirit is, is so important for us to embrace. Now, I brought this bottle here, not to drink, but to illustrate something. Tonight, we're going to be speaking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this is the release of the spiritual language that God has given to every person, see? Not, not just like when you buy a bottle of Coke, which is the real thing, right? When you, when you buy, when you drink Coke, there's Coke in every bottle. If you go to Montana, if you go to Florida, it's all the real thing, isn't it? Okay, so just like every bottle of Coke has Coke inside of it, every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit, right? So you can't, you can't be a believer without having the Holy Spirit. And sometimes... Maybe as charismatic Pentecostals, we've, we've communicated improperly that, well, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you're, you're, not, you're not even saved. Well, you have the Holy Spirit when you're saved. So just like the, the Coke is in this bottle, and now I'm, I'm going to shake it up. Okay, you know what's going to happen. Okay, when I release the cap, what's going to happen here? I'm going to make a mess. There it is. Okay. Just like the effervescence of the coke comes out after it's been shaken, the prayer language is the, re- is the release of the Holy Spirit. You see that? All the baptism is, is you aligning your heart with the Spirit that lives within you, and you're giving Jesus permission to pray His language through you. That's what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. And Paul said, it is a good gift. He said in 1 Corinthians 14.5, he says, now I wish you all spoke in tongues, which means he's issuing an invitation. And then secondly, he testifies, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. That means Paul highly prioritized the gift. He used it extensively. And there's no question that Paul's one of the most influential people in the New Testament. We're still reading his letters 2,000 years later. He's still ministering to us deeply. And I believe that influence is tied to his receiving and exercising spiritual language. I challenge you to do the same. Now, I'd like to invite the worship team to come back. Let's all stand. See, this is the person of the Holy Spirit. This this is who the Holy Spirit is. And and this is what he wants to do in our lives. Now I want you to, let's just just, uh, come in a posture of prayer to the Lord. Talked about the open heaven. If that's something you would like more of, will you just raise your hand before the Lord? Maybe you felt God has been far away. And although we don't 
walk by our emotions. That, that sometimes is a reality in our lives. And I, I believe Jesus wants us to be aware of his presence. So if, if you want, just raise your hand if you want to open heaven. I want to pray for that. So Lord, you see the hands of your, your servants raised this morning. And Lord, you made available us to have an open heaven. And I ask that you would just initiate a fresh work of the Holy Spirit in these brothers and sisters' lives. That they will, they will they begin to, to be aware that you are. They have access to your heart, Lord God. We ask you to do something new in their hearts today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. The second is the embrace of the Father because, to be honest, many of us have love deficits. And, and you guys, you know, when, when we get involved in addictions, see, we're trying to meet that love deficit in an illegal way. See, at the core, there's something inside of me that is screaming for love. And I meet that need by drugs, alcohol, sex, money, all kinds of stuff we can get addicted to. So the core, see, isn't just, well, stop doing that, you bad person. The, the, the root of it is that I need to have a revelation of the Father's love so I'm not driven to do those things and I can be redirected to loving Him with all of our hearts. If you are aware that there's love deficits in your heart, just lift your hand. Let's ask Father to come. Now, Lord, you see these humble hands that are raised And Lord, would you initiate a fresh work of the Holy Spirit to come and to fill these hearts now, to eliminate the love deficits and to do what Romans 5, 8 says, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So I ask you to do that in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then the third one is words of affirmation. It's like, it's just, you really want to hear that fresh word from the Father saying, I love you. I love you. I was at the University of Alabama a year ago. We have a, we have a, we're re-pioneering Chi Alpha on that big campus. And one of the staff ladies went through the teaching on the Father Heart. And, and during the prayer time, she said, I had read about the spirit of adoption. That's from Romans 8.15. The, the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. She said, I'd read that verse. And she said, when I got prayed for, it became so real for me. See, it went from her head to her heart. And she said, it was so real to me that it's almost like God showed up, Father showed up and said, hi, I'm your real dad. I mean, it's like, whoa, great to meet you. And she said, I struggled with this inner disappointment that I really disappointed my earthly father. And I, and I was a continual disappointment to my heavenly father. And she said, that lie was just destroyed and I have found newness of life so if you need father just to to speak words of life to you just raise your hand Jesus you father you spoke from heaven and you said about your son this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and Lord you love each of your children here this morning and would you just open new venues for them to hear affirming words from the Father, from the Scripture, through words of prophecy, through the body of Christ, people speaking words of affirmation one to another. Would you just release a fresh anointing to each of these brothers and sisters? I pray in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just seal. I pray for a sealing this morning of what you've done in our hearts and that we we all will grow now in grace and just more and more become the people that you want us to be. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org.